Father, I pray that you will open our spiritual eyes to see you with greater clarity this morning. Father, that you would open our ears to hear your small, still voice speaking to our hearts. That you would open our hearts to receive everything that you have for us this morning. That we would walk away changed and filled with a greater measure of your wonderful love, of your peace. Whatever it is we need, as Anne Lorraine prayed this morning, God, that you would fill us up to overflowing with whatever it is we need, God. How wonderful it is that we can come into your presence and we can just lay everything down here and leave it and trust you to take care of every situation, Lord God. So, Father, this morning, we pray with expectation that you will speak to our hearts, that you will speak to our lives, that you will speak to us personally and give us exactly what we need today. And we thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for joining us. Before we get started, let's uh, recite our mission statement. You guys know what that is? To develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. All right. I want to continue to promote the Bible reading program. We have some uh, flyers up here. If you're not reading, uh, you can grab one of these and, and take it home with you. Read along with us. We encourage you to read the Bible. Also, thank you. We have the Bible study on Wednesdays from 7 to 745. We have child care. So we want to invite you to come to that, continue to join us for that. And then also continue to come on Sunday mornings. And as Pastor Christine talked about, we have a, a wonderful opportunity this coming Sunday morning at 730 to reach out to our community. This whole series has been about all the nations, talking about impacting the nations around us, the people around us, not only going to the nations, but also impacting the people that God places in our lives. And so we've been talking a lot about that. I've been teaching about that. That's what the whole series has been about. And so we get to experience a lab on Sunday morning. We, we get to go out into the community. And last year, there were probably five, uh, 550, 600 people there. There were a number of people that received the Lord as their Lord and Savior. Guys, that's what it's all about. And so we get to be a part of that. We get to experience that. We will have the 730 service down there, Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, and then we'll come back here for our regular 10 o'clock service. So invite your friends and family to join us and uh, continue to read the Bible, join us for Bible study, and come on Sunday mornings, all right? These are the tools that will help us as we grow spiritually. So at this point, I'd like to release the warrior youth. You guys are welcome to go back, and if there are any children in here, we have a children's area back in the back if they want to go back there. So thank you so much for joining us. Today is Palm Sunday, and before I get into that, I really want to read the core scripture for this series. It's Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is a great scripture to memorize if you haven't memorized it yet. And let's look at that. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And it's amazing to think that Jesus has all authority. And then he goes on to say, therefore, because I have all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore, I'm asking you, I'm really commanding you to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And so we have that promise. We have that, that call from the Lord himself to go and make disciples of all the nations. And that's one of the reasons I'm so excited about the sunrise service is because we get to go and do that. And there will be a lot of people there that maybe only go to church once or twice a year. 
And there's going to be a lot of hurting people down there. And they need the Lord. They need the hope of Christ. And so we have a great opportunity to do that. Jesus was intentional in making disciples. Because I, I think part of it was he knew that one of the benefits of true discipleship is having an authentic relationship with the Lord. And, and we talk a lot about that, about having an authentic, transparent, honest relationship with the Lord. It's so important for us. Another benefit of having an authentic relationship with the Lord is living the abundant life that Christ came to give and living a blessed life. We've talked about John 10.10, 10, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you may have life in abundance, super abundant life. And so that's what God desires of us. And there are people that don't believe that. But you know what? They're not believing the word of God. The truth is, is that God loves us and God wants to be in relationship with us. Now, you may not believe that, but you may believe that one plus one is three. But that's not the truth. One plus one is not 1.999. It's not 2.00001. One plus one is two. And the truth is that God loves you and wants to have an authentic, intimate relationship with each and every one of us. And not only us that are in the church today, but those that are out there searching for the truth of God, looking for something to fill that void, looking for relief from the pain and the woundedness and the suffering and the guilt and shame, whatever it is they may be dealing with. I want to talk about Palm Sunday this morning. Five days before Jesus was crucified is known as Palm Sunday, and where Jesus rides into Beth Ridge and Bethany, tried to kind of do some scanning in the Bible, and I think that there are about 13 or 14 accounts or events that happened in Jesus' life that are recorded in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So there aren't that many of all the things that, are, that Jesus did. There are only about 13 or 14 of those that are in all four Gospels, and Palm Sunday is one of those. As you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are called the Gospels. They're the first four books of the New Testament, and they're written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's their perspective on what they saw in Jesus' life. They're writing to, if you've been coming to Bible study, you know that they're written to different peoples, uh, different groups of people. So there was a purpose in that. And if you're taking notes, if you want to know where those are found, these scriptures are found in Matthew 21, 1 through 11. In Mark 11, 1 through 11, Luke 19, 28 through 44, and that's where we will be reading this morning, and then in John 12, 12 through 19. So my first point this morning is, how are true disciples identified? We're going to read in Luke, and I didn't put all these on the screen because I didn't want Jason to have to spend two hours making slides. and. By the way, I want to acknowledge Jason. I give him the notes, and I give him the scriptures, and he puts all the slides together. So he does a great job. Thanks, Jason. Amen. So let's go to Luke. You'll turn in your Bible or smartphone or iPad or whatever you're using. Let's go to Luke 19, verses 28 through 44. And we're going to kind of jump in the middle of, of, of what's going on here. But prior to this account, Jesus tells a story about the importance of being faithful with money and resources that God gives to us. Um, I'll just camp out here for a moment. But, you know, God gives us 
resources. He gives us finances. He gives us children to raise. He gives us responsibilities. And so how are we doing with those things? And so you can go back and read that, the first part of chapter 19. And that's for another time. Let's read in Luke 19, verses 28. All right, after telling this story where Jesus is talking about the importance of being faithful with money and resources, um, after telling the story, verse 28, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethridge and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead Go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners said to them, why are you untying this colt? The disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. They were saying, Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees, those were the religious leaders at the time, and the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late, and peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not accept your opportunity for salvation. Jesus is talking to his listeners, and he's telling them the truth. And us too. He's saying, listen, you guys are missing your salvation. You're missing it. I think we see the tenderness of Christ when we read this passage of Scripture. I don't think he was concerned so much about a city, Jerusalem, but he was concerned about the people. But let's go back to the beginning of this passage. Jesus tells them what what to do, and he tells them what's going to happen. He's saying, go and get this this colt and bring it to me. And they're going to ask you, why are you in need of this? Why are you taking my donkey? Can you imagine you have a, a donkey and her colt there, and somebody comes and, and wants to take it off? You probably, hey, 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 wait a minute. What are you doing here? And so it's amazing to me that Jesus has that insight, and he, and he gives additional insight to these guys. Who, who but God could really do that, you know? And uh, he tells them how to answer when they're taking the donkey. As Jesus rides the donkey, his followers lay down garments and palm branches. That's why we call it Palm Sunday. They praised God for the miracles they had seen. They recognized at that point in time that Jesus was the king. He was the Messiah. Let's look at verse 38 in Luke 19, 38. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. And so many of them believed that Jesus' mission was to liberate them from the oppressive Roman government. 
But Jesus' real purpose was to liberate all humanity from the oppression of sin and guilt and shame. He came for a much bigger purpose. I think that they were, many of them were thinking, all right, we're finally going to get liberated. And they began to worship him. But they didn't recognize the true mission of God was to liberate all of humanity from sin. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, say to Jesus, tell them to stop praising God for giving them a king, the Messiah and Savior. And I think there was a lot of jealousy with those guys. They had, they were like the elite religious leaders. And Jesus was stealing their thunder. And I love how Jesus responds to them in verse 40. He, he replied, if they, his, talking about his followers, keep quiet, the stones along the road will burst into cheers. The rocks will cry out to me. I think sometimes when we hear the birds singing, they may be singing to God. All creation testifies of God. I remember looking out. Christine and I were looking out in our backyard one day when our dog was still with us. And uh, he was just kind of looking out there and, I just wonder what, what he was looking at, you know? But I think creation testifies of God. And I think sometimes when we hear the birds singing in the morning, maybe they're singing to God. Maybe they're prompting us to be praising him when we get up. Uh, so as Jesus approaches Jerusalem, Jesus begins to weep, knowing that in a few years, due to turning away from God, rejecting the Savior and the salvation that Jesus came to give and the abundant life that Christ came to give, that Jerusalem would be destroyed and many would be killed. Many would be taken captive. And I think he, he knew that and he began to weep. Again, we see the tenderness of God. Do we have that kind of tenderness toward those that don't have a relationship with the Lord? We may be thinking, well, why do I need to go down to the sunrise service? There's going to be people down there probably at 4.30 or 5 in the morning to begin setting up. Why? Because we should have a burden for those that don't know him. That's the whole purpose behind this outreach. It's, listen, it, it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of time. People are, are working hard to do this. Why? Why would we do this? Because we have a burden for the lost. Because we want to reach out. And we see that Jesus was tender. His heart of love and compassion was not for the city but for the people. Do we have that kind of love and compassion for others? I don't know. That's something that we have to ask ourselves. It's God's desire that we be in intimate relationship with him. And as we grow in that relationship, I believe that God begins to change our heart. And God begins to bring our heart into alignment with his, where we really care about people. Do you weep over the people that you work with or, or family and friends that don't know him or, or that are caught up in all kinds of traps or, or maybe dragging around a, a bunch of guilt and shame and can't seem to get free or they're so wounded that they can't receive the things of God? Listen, we need to have a burden for people. God has given us his, his Holy Spirit. He said, I go that the Holy Spirit may lead you and guide you into all truth so that we can go and impact the world around us, so that we can receive his love and grace and forgiveness and, and strength and encouragement and all the things that we need, but also so that we can go out and share that with others. So how are true disciples identified? Well, true disciples, really my second point is kind of an answer to that, my second and third point. Our true disciples are committed. Let's look, let's go to Luke chapter 23. 
turn a few pages over there to 23 verses 13 through 25. Then Pilate called together the leading priests and other religious leaders along with the people. And he announced his verdict. You brought this man to me accusing him of leading a revolt. I have examined him thoroughly on this point in your presence and find him innocent. Herod came to the same conclusion and sent him back to us. Nothing this man has done calls for the death penalty. So I will have him flogged and then I will release him. Then a mighty roar rose from the crowd and with one voice they shouted, Kill him and release Barabbas to us. Barabbas was in prison for taking part in a surrection in Jerusalem against the government and for murder. He needed to be in jail. He had done some bad things. But Pilate argued with them because he wanted to release Jesus. But they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. For the third time he demanded, why? What crime has he committed? I have found no reason to sentence him to death. So I will have him flogged. And then I will release him. But the mob shouted louder and louder, demanding that Jesus be crucified. And their voices prevailed. So Pilate sentenced Jesus to die as they demanded. Here we see a man that had the authority. He didn't want to see Jesus crucified. But you know what? He didn't take a stand. Because he was probably afraid that the, the Roman government would come down on him if, if they knew there was a revolt going on and things were being stirred up. And I, I wonder, after that happened, how he felt about that. And I wonder about these people. More than likely, some of those were the ones crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means save now or save us now. You know, just a few days before that, they're worshiping him. They're saying, our king and our savior, Hosanna, save us, save us now. And then a few days later, crucify him, crucify him, kill him. They're fickle. I don't want you to answer this question, but how committed are you as a follower of Christ? Do we follow Christ just when it's convenient, when the crowd is all, uh, you know, happy about following Christ and everything's good? But what happens when they turn against him? Do we turn against him too? What's our heart? Are we true followers of Christ are we committed to him? We even see that some of the disciples turned away from Jesus. Remember Peter? Hey, man, you're, you're one of those guys that was hanging around with Jesus. I don't know. I don't, I don't even know the guy, man. Hey, hey, you were one of those. No, I don't even know who he is, man. True disciples are committed. My third point, which is really part of the answer to the first question, true disciples have God's heart. It's not just about a religious commitment. It's about God taking our heart and changing our heart from the inside out. Our commitment and heart is what determines that we're true disciples of Christ. And it's my desire, it's my prayer that Life Fellowship will continue to open ourselves up to receive everything that the Lord has for us so that we don't just look good on the outside, but our hearts are changed and that we really have a desire to reach out to the community, that we really have a desire to yield to God and allow Him access into our lives to bring greater health and healing and wholeness to our lives. Does anybody else need Him? Man, I need Him on a daily basis, sometimes on an hourly basis. But what I've experienced is that God is wanting to meet all of our needs, and He cares about the little things. 
when our children are hurting or when we're hurting or whatever it may be. God cares about those things. And as we grow in our relationship with him, then we begin to trust him more. Just like a little child that will jump into your arms. Why? Because they trust you. And so our maturity and our growth in the Lord is a lifelong process. And for some of us, maybe for some of you, you're still not there yet. You, you want to trust him, but you're afraid. Maybe you've been so wounded. But let me encourage you to just step out. Begin to step out and trust him. And watch and see what God does. As Jesus was traveling on the donkey, they were giving thanks and praise because of all the things that they'd seen. God has probably done some amazing things in your life. God wants to do amazing things in your life and through your life. But he's looking for people that are humble, that are teachable, that are obedient, that will yield their life to him. And that's what I want this church to continue to look like as we grow, that we will be a people that has a heart after God and yield our life to him so that he can work powerfully through our lives. I hope that, that Friday you guys will come. We're going to watch The Passion of the Christ. And, and there are some parts of the movie that are pretty bloody and gory, and that's, that's why we're having child care back here. But I, I think it's good for us to see what Christ did on the cross for us. I think the Passion of the Christ, the crucifixion, is probably very realistic to what it looked like. We've, we've all seen the movies where, you know, Christ is on the cross, and, and they have the crown of thorns, and he's got a little bit of blood dripping down him. I think it was bloody and gory. And, you know, that's not what I want to focus on. But what I want us to understand is that it cost Christ something. And as we serve Christ, as we go down to the chemo boardwalk at 5 o'clock in the morning, it costs something. As we gather everything up to come back to serve this community at 10 o'clock, it costs something. But I'm, I'm telling you, it doesn't cost us what it costs Christ. And do we have a burden for the community do we have a burden for the people around us? I hope we do, and I hope that's growing. And I hope that our relationship with the Lord is more authentic today than it was last week or last year, that we're yielding to him and allowing him greater access into our lives. I want you to, to reach out to the community, invite people to be here at 10 o'clock on Sunday. Listen, you, you all know friends and family and, and coworkers. And we want to reach out to them. We want to love them. Listen, I believe God is doing something really unique at this church. And, and I'm probably biased in my perspective. But God is doing something here. There, this church is a group of people that really love one another and are authentic. And almost all the first-time guests comment on, on the warmth and the friendliness of the people here. That's you guys. And so that's the culture and the DNA that God is developing in us. And, you know, that's probably one of the most impacting things uh, for a visitor coming in is that they feel warm and welcomed. Because some of those that are, are coming to visit, they may have been so wounded in churches and rejected. Rejection is terrible. And a lot of us have had to deal with rejection in our life. But if we, if we come to church, we shouldn't be rejected. We should be loved. And that will help us then understand that that our Heavenly Father loves us and is not rejecting us. There are people that struggle with that. We want to continue to reach out to our community. We want to continue to love one another. And let me go back to Friday night, Good Friday, when we have the movie here and we'll have the children back there and they'll be entertained and watched over and they'll be safe. Our goal as parents is 
not to, to raise children, uh, to be, stay children. And I know you moms probably don't want to hear this, but our goal is to raise them up to be healthy, godly men and women of God, that they will grow and mature. And I was thinking about our children this morning, and I was thinking about how many of them are growing up together. And I hope they'll continue to grow up together through elementary school and junior high and high school. And that they will develop godly, healthy relationships. That maybe Dakota's going through something and big brother Kelby calls, calls her up and says, Hey, listen, I noticed that youth group, you seem kind of down. You seem like something was wrong. I'm here for you. That's the kind of relationships that we want our children to build so that they grow up with one another, so that they can help one another as they go through life, as they build those kind of relationships. That's the kind of relationships we want to have. And so I'm asking you, yield your life to God. Continue to connect. Make yourself a little vulnerable to build godly, healthy relationships with one another because the benefits are far beyond the risk. That's why Jesus came to restore us into relationship with our Heavenly Father and that we would be reconciled to one another. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with the Lord, or maybe you had one at one point in time and you walked away, listen, if God is tugging on your heart, there's no shame in that. Would you simply slip up your hand? I just want to pray with you where you are. Anybody here? God loves you. God wants to do amazing things in your lives and all of our lives. And it starts with us yielding to him and receiving him as Lord and Savior. And then he begins to shape and mold and bring health and healing and wholeness to us. He begins to heal the wounded parts of our lives. I love a song that we sing. One of the lines says, he came, Jesus came to fix our broken lives. And not only our lives, those of us in church, but the people out there all around us. Lord God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that you've come to fix our broken lives. And then you restore us to a place of health and healing and wholeness where we can be used by you to go out and reach and impact the lost and dying world. Father, thank you so much for your great love for us. And I pray that you will continue to draw us closer to you and closer to one another and that we will see your awesome power in our lives impacting this community, not only just impacting us, but the world around us. So, Father, we pray all these things with expectation in the almighty and the all-powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Bible reading program up here. Good Friday service. Movie starts at 430 on Friday, if you can help us out on Sunday, at Saint, uh, Saturday at St. Chris about 10 o'clock to load up equipment, then 7.30 down there at the Chemo Boardwalk, and then 10 o'clock here. I, listen, I know it's a busy week, but we've got one shot to reach out to a lot of these people. So pray about it and join us. The prayer team will be up here if you want prayer. Listen, you don't have to navigate through your challenges alone. There's people that would love to pray with you. So go out and live it today. Make a difference in the world around you. Will you do that? Thank you for joining us. God bless you. You're dismissed.